0: Is dropped and it's showtime from downtown Winnipeg. the wires What a stop by Hellebock. Kyle Carter,
1: Jets go bang, bang, bang!
0: Welcome to Ground Control, the official podcast of the Winnipeg Jets.
1: Hello and welcome. It's episode 152 of the Ground Control Podcast, the official podcast of the Winnipeg Jets, joined as always by my two favorites, Paul Edmonds, Jamie Thomas of 680 CJOB. How are we now that the, uh, the all-star and player breaks have passed, gentlemen? Good. Very good. <laughs> <laughs> All right, moving on. Uh- <laughs> uh, you know, I, I try to
0: tell people and enlighten them into a little bit of our world, because that's what people ask about, right? Yeah. They are interested. They want to know. They think what we do is special. And I guess to some degree it is. It was well needed for a lot of reasons just to kind of reconnect with those of us that have spouses or kids, families, do some things where you just feel. I I guess the best way I can encapsulate this is there was a few mornings where I got up. I had coffee with my wife and I said to myself, what do I want to do today? Mm -hmm. And that is just so emancipating mentally because you're not dragged to be somewhere by your job. And that's what holidays and a vacation and a break are all about is just having that freedom to do what you want to do and I think there's something uplifting and energizing about that and I think that we can talk about that but we know that the players felt the exact same way they just probably did it in a sandy and hot location (laughs) and we did it in a snowy and cool location although the weather wasn't that bad here (laughs) no it wasn't and I think going along with
2: what Paul was saying I was talking with Cole Perfetti, and he said at about four days in, he's like, "Oh, I better get back into hockey mode because you're, yeah. you're starting to wind down." And I felt the same way. Again, like Paul said, you're not in a, the sun's not shining, you're not at a beach, and you're trying to figure out if you're going to the pool or the ocean. But you're you you sit there and go, "Okay, oh, I've been relaxed so so long here that I have to get back in my mental space to get ready for the grind." And I look forward to this. I know one game's out of the way and now. There's 29 left, and plus playoffs, obviously, at this point touching wood, but you're relaxed and you feel better. And, uh, now you're just ready to get back into the grind of things. 100%
1: agree. And I I don't know if if it's just the number 30, like just being there's like 30, like you said, Mm. now 29 games to go. It just actually feels like there's this push coming. Like it's it's (laughs) actually like this is when the games start to get really, really good and and, uh, start to mean like they're all two points in the standings, but it just feels like they start to mean more. Uh, Really looking forward to that uh, final push. Brendan Dillon going to join us uh, on the podcast momentarily. But before we get to that, and this is kind of along the line that you were talking about, Paul, Questions that, you know, you kind of get asked about uh, what what we do. And this question that I'm about to put to the table is inspired from your view from the booth column, which smart hockey fans can read right now on winnipegjets.com. The author, none other than yourself, uh, wrote down uh, your five suggestions for traveling fans and arenas to visit. Those arenas were Montreal, New York, specifically Madison Square Garden, Tampa, Nashville, and Minnesota. All of us would agree, of course, the best place to watch the Jets Canada Life Centre, but for fans that are, you know, somewhere else or wanting to tr- travel and experience as as a visiting team, certainly those are, I can't really argue with any of those five, but uh, first off, just how often do you get that question? And two, like what made those buildings stand out to you?
0: Often is the simple answer to that question. I know you guys get it as well. Yeah. I mean, just mm-hmm. fans in general and the interaction that we have wherever we are and, you get recognized a little bit whether it's at a hockey rink or a supermarket or on the street or on the concourse or whatever it is right and you get to ask that question because i think people they are just so emotionally driven by this team that they want to branch out and, and see a different experience or they see something on tv or hear it on the radio and, and that piques their interest to say that would be really interesting, or they've had a friend, or they've heard stories of other fans that have gone down to these locations. So I get that question quite often, Mitchell, and I try to relay: Hey, if you if you're on a tight budget or you want to do something and and you want to go specifically here, go here, try here first, mm-hmm. and then move along from there. Like there will be fans that want to take in all 32 rinks across the National Hockey League. We've heard those baseball stories before. Yeah. There will be those NHL stories as well. There will be. Some Um, right in our own market how have I arrived at that I mean it's just been through the years that I've been and had the pleasure and privilege of doing this that you just kind of come to the conclusion that some rinks and some of these games that involve the Jets in these buildings just are better than others and top of the list for me is Montreal I mean I was never a Montreal Canadiens fan growing up, but the moment I walked in Centre Bell and and knew that it was an extension of the Montreal Forum as a kid, there was something I looked around and, and went, this place is special, and then they dropped the puck. Mm-hmm. And, you know, from game operations to the fan engagement that they have, there's oohs and ahs with every missed shot or poster or, or body check. It's just an experience unto anything that we've seen in the National Hockey League. And the place just oozes history, as I said, to steal my own line. And and then from there, you know, there's Madison Square Garden. It's the Big Apple and and Tampa because of the weather. and And what I didn't include with Tampa as number three was Florida was also kind of in there as well because you can go down to Florida and kind of hit both games and not really travel around a lot and make it more of a warm holiday for your family or for yourself or whoever you're traveling with. And then Nashville because there's just so much to do all the time with the music and you don't even have to be a country music fan. And then Minnesota just because it's so close and it's a great rivalry and there's always uh, a real good contingent of Jets fans there. What a big Jets fans travel well to St. Paul, I can say that. And they travel well everywhere else. And, I mean, that's the other thing I think in conclusion to say is I believe everywhere we've ever been, there's always been, whether it's been faint or very audible, a true north shout in every rink across the National Hockey League. But of course, those uh, those shutouts are dwarfed by what we get here at home.
1: Yeah, and you know, certainly, it's uh, when you're in one of those opposing rinks and, and you hear that that true north bit in the in the anthem, and you always kind of go. I mean, I'm just standing there covering the game, but I just kind of go. That's pretty cool. Uh Jamie just uh quickly if uh are there any rinks on there that you would double underline or ones that aren't on that list that you prefer? Uh well,
2: Montreal 100% but even cuz the times Paul and I well, I've been with uh, with Paul in the booth um you know the playoffs there's only 3000 people in the stands so you can really yeah. fully and then the recently the Montreal Canadiens haven't been very good. But at the same time, the crowd has been absolutely insane. And I even go back to the preseason, you know, Brad Lambert saying, you know, my, my ears were ringing in the building. And that's the preseason. So that's just what you get from there. And then I'll, I'll throw Vegas in there in, in just in a, as a sixth place to go because I know it's lots of people go to Vegas. They do a great job there. Um, it is everything that happens in that building. Uh, T-Mobile Arena is Vegas. It's great. everything. This yeah. is so Vegas. Every time they do something there, so I like. I love the atmosphere there, and clearly, there's a little bit still remaining of a tingling of a rivalry with the Golden Knights and the Jets right now.
1: And Paul, you mentioned uh, the crowd, you know, inside Canada Life Center as well. I, before we get to Brendan Dillon, I want to give a big shout out to the. Fans that were in attendance for the game against Chicago, so they were United, ready. Right? <laughs> nine p.m. puck drop, doors open at seven thirty. Connor Hellebuck with possibly the quote of the night, uh, saying it must have been the six dollars beers. But man, that crowd was going all night, and the Winnipeg Jets picking up a four one win. So uh, looking forward to more and more nights like that uh, as the regular season uh, continues. Before we get to our uh, second topic, we're going to let Brandon Dillon and Jamie Thomas come into the middle of the podcast here and always a good conversation with Brendan Dillon. What stood out to you?
2: Uh, Cause Brendan Dillon is like the biggest contradiction going because he's such a nice guy yeah, off the ice. Right. And, and I even, I get, I got a chance to ask him about this and just his demeanor on the ice. He has a very interesting answer about that. And then I found out a couple of things here and there. His wife played hockey at Minnesota state. Uh, he plays the piano and is a self-taught guitar player. So I got to ask him about that. So just some, Random things in a discussion with Brendan Dillon.
0: Shop where the players shop. Jets Gear and TrueNorthShop.com are your authentic team stores. Make sure to stock up on all your favorite Winnipeg Jets and Manitoba Moose merchandise today. Visit one of the five Jets Gear locations, or shop online at TrueNorthShop.com.
3: Hi, this is Brendan Dillon, and you're listening to Ground Control, the official podcast of the Winnipeg Jets.
2: All right. So ordinarily, when people do podcasts, it's usually about the the subject. But I'm going to delve into your personal life a little bit, in, in, a, in a good in a good way. Okay. Uh, found out that your wife Emma yep. played hockey at Minnesota State. Oh, geez. So, were thinking, well, I ridiculous. know some people that know you a little bit. So I did some questions to yeah. so just talk about her hockey career and is
3: I mean that's that's you guys have a lot of things obviously to bounce off one another. I imagine. Uh, well, that was one of our I think our first conversations when we you know started dating and uh she'd come out and visit me in in, in san jose there was uh post games no hockey talk unless <laughs> i bring it up if i brought it up then maybe we can talk a little bit but um yeah she's uh she's pretty knowledgeable which is nice um you know when we do talk about certain things but i think now over the years she's learned that uh obviously on certain nights when we maybe lose or it wasn't uh wasn't the right one maybe we, we don't talk uh, talk about hockey but um you know, it is nice when you're at home to be able to bounce some things off of or just vent a little bit about the game um, and not have somebody or a significant other ask you what that blue line is for or uh, <laughs> what uh, what certain stupid questions might come out of it. So um, she's been a great supporter for me and uh, um, it has been nice to, to have her as a, as a companion here through the last however many years. Does she miss the game? Um, yes and no. Um, a lot, a lot of her. She had an older brother that uh, that played university at Wisconsin hockey, and her eldest as well. So she, hockey ran in her family a little bit. And um, for for her, she was very fortunate to have her school taken care of, which which her parents uh, were big fans of uh, yeah. financially. And um, you know, she was a good player. But I think now as as life's evolved for her, um, she had a great time. She still connects with some of her her college uh, her college teammates and whatnot. And uh, when we're in the summertime, uh, there's, there's a couple of friends that have some, uh, some ice times and she'll come out and scoot around her at the Christmas skates. She's usually, uh, she's usually buzzing around too. And that's off for her hockey skates. So, um, they, again, it's, it's fun now, um, especially for, for her to be able to, to share in this too. Um, I imagine your daughter, this is the next path for her. Have you have you guys decided on that yet? Uh, we've had a little bit of conversations about it, um, I think for, so again, my first time being a dad, mm-hmm. uh, I want to let her kind of blaze her own trail, per right. se, whatever she wants, if she wants to get into to tennis or golf or soccer or volleyball, whatever the case might be. Um, I'll be fully supportive of that. I was very fortunate my parents gave me every opportunity to do whatever the heck I wanted mm-hmm. and um, be very or as balanced as, as I possibly could. And hockey just seemed to take precedence over the years as I enjoyed it more and more, but... Um, Between the two of us, we'll have a lot of leftover hockey sticks and leftover hockey skates in the house. So if she's interested in that, absolutely.
2: Well, hockey schedule always comes first. And, you know, during the bubble and the readjusted playoff schedule, you guys had to postpone your wedding, I had heard. So what was that conversation like when you had to do that? Because that... That is no, oh, by the way, we're just cancelling the wedding. hope yeah. you guys don't mind.
3: Yeah, no, we, um, <laughs> all the planning and that was, she, she was working and managing that uh, while we were in San Jose kind of mapping things out. And, of course, that uh, that's the year I get traded to Washington. That's, of course, the year that we go through a pandemic that hasn't happened in however many mm-hmm. hundreds of years and navigate that. And um, her being American, me being Canada, too, we're navigating a border and, and seeing uh, both sides of our families, too so that was um that was a tough year there was a lot going on especially once i got to washington uh, other side of north america really from where all my stuff was in, in san jose and then um, our off-season residence in vancouver so um the, a, a big uh, a big thing for her she's she's the only girl in her family so her parents uh, were like okay you know we'll, we'll do everything we can to make this happen we ended up just doing the two of us um actually at uh, stanley park in vancouver um and then now we've we've kind of been putting it off but i think this summer we might end up getting some some friends and family together to to really celebrate saves the on the bill like the bills when you look at that, I'm not yeah. I don't know what you're you know, what type of financial guy you are, but yeah. when
2: you go, Hey, this is yeah. pretty good financially for us, no?
3: Hey, I was uh, I was all good. <laughs> I didn't need any cameras, any anything like that. But um as I talked about her being the only girl in her family, uh, her yeah. her parents are pretty traditional, which is nice, so they're covering a good amount of the bill. Yeah. Um so this this dress that she's had picked out and went through the whole, you know. Seeing day with her bridesmaids in the whole nine yards yeah. she um that thing's been just sitting in a closet somewhere, so uh, I guess we got to let her wear it eventually right, and
2: also uh, you along with probably thousands and millions of people had a baby during the pandemic. What was some of the what's a what's a highlight of that, and maybe something that was a little frustrating
3: yeah well the, it was the pandemic was kind of on the way out. it mm-hmm. was you know May of last year, so we were here in Winnipeg after the season and um it was a tough, tough end on the hockey side of things with not making playoffs um but that was an exciting thing to look forward to was 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 the birth of her so um had her here in town in Winnipeg which was nice um you know it was still uh we we don't have any family here so it was just the two of us and kind of gave the first month month and a half of of being a dad to be able to just relax and kind of take everything in and usually uh during whether it would have at that time been the first round of playoffs i would have been gone quite a bit wouldn't have been able to be around and helping as much and um being a part of that process so uh, a lot of it came quick <laughs> uh, <yeah. laughs> a lot of learning learning on the go and uh yeah here we are eight months later what's the biggest thing you learned about yourself as a dad i mean
2: it's it's you hear about it all the time uh, what have you learned about yourself as, as being a dad for the first time
3: uh, how much more respect I have for moms? <laughs> I think that's a uh, that's a big one. I yeah. mean, here I am, lucky enough to do what I love every single day, and um, for a lot of moms, especially in that first year once kids are born, I mean, they're having to take time away from work, um, kind of be somewhat landlocked or you know with their their child. And um, as I said, somewhere here in Winnipeg, where we don't know a whole lot of people, I, I feel like she's kind of on her own. Uh, for a decent amount of time and especially once i get going on the road um i've, I've done daddy daycare a couple of days here and there where uh i'm in charge for most of the day and i'm i'm more exhausted than i'm after <laughs> training camp so uh i i tip my cap to moms i think that was one of the first conversations i had with my mom was is uh, just wow you know you, you did a lot and then you think about these parents that have two three four kids um yeah i mean you tip your cap to those for sure
2: you have a sister that's a
3: really good volleyball player apparently <laughs> so talk about the competitive the
2: competition level in the dylan household while you were growing up
3: yeah there was a lot of that um as you said my sister she uh, we had a lot of height in our family i'm 6 4 she was five ten, five eleven, and um i think she saw how much fun i had at age 16 to move away from home and uh go play hockey that she uh she left vancouver went all the way out to toronto to to go to school and um, she had an awesome four or five years there at York University, um, was the starting setter for, I think, the last three years at least, and um, their team had a lot of success. She met a lot of lifelong friends that um, you know, she, she enjoyed her time out, and it was kind of kind of nice to break up. You know, I'd see my family when we go to Vancouver, and then I'd see her when we'd be in Toronto and, and Ottawa, Montreal, that area, so... Um she's uh she's she's the smart one in the family. She's got more more degrees than I think I have college credits. So, um yeah, it's uh definitely definitely been nice just the two of us. We've we've got a great
2: relationship. Was there did you guys get into comp- competitions like a lot of rivalries because that's natural natural to happen, right?
3: Yeah, she's she's 4 years younger than me. So, okay. um it was a little bit of the age gap where I was ended up being a lot bigger than her mm-hmm. in certain instances, but um we, we we liked a lot of the same things. We're both very active, both very athletic. So whenever there was a soccer ball getting kicked around or um, you know, basketball getting shot in the driveway, she was uh she was out there with me too and my dad did a, a great job of, of kinda making it fun for the both of us and not just uh us wanting to kill each other by the end of the day. So um, as all kids, you know, you have your ups and downs uh, with brothers and sister relationships. But, uh, you know, here we are now and, and super supportive of, of one another. And um, it's it's been a lot, a lot of fun to see each other's journeys. Was it like to? Did you ever get out a chance to go watch her play volleyball? Uh, a match, and what is that like as a brother? You
2: must you must be very proud when you get to watch your sister in that in that type of level.
3: Oh, it was it was great. Um, I, I got to see her never in Toronto, mm-hmm. but um, her team actually did kind of like somewhat of a Western swing. So um, it was one of the years when training camp I think was pushed back a little bit. I think it would have been maybe that either the 12, 13 year or whatever year it was um, she came out and she played a couple games one at UBC in Vancouver uh, one at Trinity Western in Langley uh, which is right by my hometown so I was able to see both of those before I left for uh, for hockey training camp and to see her in that competitive environment it's funny you know you think you know somebody and you know i think even one of the first times i had like a hockey fight or a big hockey hit and there was a scrum after and you know i don't think she'd ever heard or seen me talk that way or have stuff like that happen and i I think seeing how competitive she was um you know amongst her teammates and then that game and um it it was cool to see that uh, that competitiveness from her and um, my both my parents were there watching too so i could get the full breakdown i mean they they watch all her games, all my games. So um, there's there's a lot going on on the uh, the streaming at the Dylan household. How about this? You're
2: kind of a contradiction because you're such a nice guy off the ice, but you play <laughs> oh, at a different level, you. a different way
3: on the ice. So how does that? How do you balance that? Um, I don't know. I think that was something I was very very fortunate at a uh, you know at a young age to to, to have veterans that um, that really showed me. You know, you got to be first and foremost. You're with these hockey guys, your teammates for. 250 days a year um you're around each other a lot you gotta find ways to connect with the european guys who barely speak english or the guys coming up playing their first game who was me at one point Mm and um you know you're on the road you're going for dinners getting to know more about guys know you know their family dynamics or uh if they've got a dog these little things and and again try to try to really connect and um on the ice is is, is a different story we 've all got uh, different skill sets and our different uh, different makeups when it comes out there and um, i I tried to at one point in my junior hockey playing days have that nice guy on the ice, nice guy off the ice and um, let's just say my coach uh, coach wasn 't too happy with me um, and, you know and kind of had the conversation if you you try to play this way um, i don 't think hockey's going to be in your future so um, it was it was something that was a big eye opener for me. Trying to be the two different guys, and I feel like Adam is very similar. Lowry and and a guy who you know he's funny. He's one of the you know he's got a great sense of humor, great you know jokes and whatnot. And then um, once you get out there on the ice, uh, you know he's a different guy. And and I think that's one of the biggest compliments that I can take as a player too, and Mm -hmm. and especially in my role, um, you know, to be hard to play against, but at the same time, uh, be someone who can joke around and have fun here uh, during the grind of a hockey season
2: one of the best parts about the room being open again is we get to chit chat you every once in a while and one of the questions i got to ask you about younger players tend to run around and look for the big hit and you told me that your coach Bob bugner in san jose was that guy that kind of talked you not so much out of it but kind of made you aware of that what how important was those how important were those conversations you had with him
3: well it was something early on in my my career my first couple years in in dallas and even in the American League, where you want to make an impact, you want to stand out, you want to move up to the next level, and a big hit's one way to go about it. But for every one big hit, you can also have uh, the one big miss, and guy goes down, scores, and you're on the highlight reel for that one in a negative way. And um, I learned the hard way a couple times, and um, I think the eagerness for me to want to be physical was something that, um, that Boogie and, and the coaches really, really appreciated. But um, it wasn't a, a sense of... You know, taking it out of my game completely, but maybe just altering it a little bit, um, picking your spots. It's the same way as, as jumping up in the rush. It's the same way as pinching. It can be kind of related in, in a lot of different aspects as a defenseman. And um, I think you can see young guys come up and you got so much energy and, and excitement and uh, run around. But the game is... Um, so systematical now at the NHL level. There's, there's guys you play with growing up, whether that's uh, in minor hockey or in juniors or in the AHL that are so much more skilled, they're so much faster or bigger or stronger. but um, you know they can't figure out how to play in a system or they can't how to f- figure out how to play their role and um, those are the learning experiences that come with, I think being a pro and, and something when you're learning as a young defenseman um, to have good coaches as I did to kind of steer me in the right direction and, you know, not take away from what makes you a good player or what makes your skill set what it is, um, just trying to overall add to it and, and, and tone it down to make it better. Okay, so you've played in San Jose, Dallas, uh, Washington,
2: Winnipeg, you've dealt with all types of time zones yeah. so let's talk about the travel in each and like, there's a benefit to some. like if the pacific is the best time to, to live out there at least from a sports fan because everything's oh, on yeah. early yeah, yeah, and yeah. You, you know you go to bed for the final game and it's still 10 o'clock so yeah, um yeah. so what are the benefits of the being in the on the on the west coast
3: certainly the east coast travels a little bit easier and then of course in the central time zone well being on the west coast um growing up there uh, football starting at 10 a.m. on yeah. Sundays. Um, you know, the late-night hockey game being at, like, you know, 5, 7 o'clock. Um, that was awesome. And then getting to live there with the Sharks, um, that just felt like normal for me. And yeah. I think it was, my parents appreciated it, too, because hockey games, you know, they, they started, uh, you know, at 7 o'clock when you know they knew it to be. Um, I, I think when I got to the East, you really appreciated the travel. was nice on the body. I mean, you're sleeping in your bed. A lot of times, your the, the longest plane ride I think within the conference is maybe two or three hours. Yeah. Whereas uh, in the Central Division or in the Pacific Division, that's uh, sometimes just a, a division game. Yeah. Uh, so I think that was something that I only played in Washington for you know the year and a half, two years there. Um, but I really <laughs> that was nice on the body. Um, I think when we talk about the Central Division too. Um, especially once you you bring in the the travel through the cross cross country Um, it, it really is it's fun because you get to stay over in some cities you get to really bond and have more dinners with guys on the road but um, it does add up a little bit. I, I still remember when we played Pittsburgh in, in 2016 Stanley Cup final. Yeah. Um, you know, you go through four separate rounds. We had played, started in L.A., went to Nashville, which was another central, then went to St. Louis, which is another central. We're talking three, four-hour trips, you know, back and forth from California out there. I think Pittsburgh never left the Eastern time zone. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're, we're, still I'm not using that as an excuse, but I just remember being like, wow, like, you know, what a difference it is um, when it comes down to it. But, um, I think for all of us playing in the NHL, you're never going to be complaining about that stuff. Um, we all, for the most part, have ridden the, the, the buses up and down, uh, you know, 10, 12 hours and done the three and threes. It's, uh, so there's, there's no complaining from my end. Okay, so before I let you go, I could ask you about a million things, but I promised you
2: 15 minutes. for are at 16. No Last no one for you. No I heard through the grapevine, you can play the piano
3: and you're a self-taught guitar player. Explain. Okay, geez, you really dug deep on these ones um,
2: Let's just give this all over. Yeah, yeah, yeah
3: um, So I played the piano for nine years growing up My whole kind of elementary uh, My parents said, you know You can't just do the hockey thing mm-hmm. You need to do something else So I don't really like to share that one with too many people But you yes, I him, did the- you're
2: going to see him in the summer, so you can get Murph
3: back yeah, the yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, so I did that for nine years. Um, as kind of sports and everything got going, it just got tougher and tougher to continue on with it. Um, I think it really helped, though, with I learned how to read music. I can still, you know, I uh, try to show the boys, you know, I'm on the dance floor. I've got a little bit of rhythm to myself, a little bit of tempo. Um, but, no, I think it really did help. As I, I love music. I, I love listening to music. I'm an all, all-genres guy from... Rap to rock to country to to old school you know type dance you you name it, mm-hmm. so I think that really helped me gain an appreciation for that and then guitar um, it happened in the American League i mean I was always so jealous of the guy that, you know, he'd be on a camping trip or something, he'd bust out a guitar and then you know, every girl, would, well, I mean yeah. every girl wanted to be with him yeah. and you know, every guy wanted to be him, yes. so it was always something like, man, how cool would that be and I still remember playing with the guy in the American League that he lived a couple condos over from where me and my roommate were and you know, we, we'd always have the after parties at his place and he was sick on the guitar and he just taught himself from YouTube, I mean, we're so fortunate as hockey players where, you know, our days are usually done around, you know, 1:30, 2 p.m. So you've got all this time in the afternoon, and so we were, I think there were six or seven single guys, all of us in Austin, Texas, and um, we would just go over to this guy's house, he'd kind of show us the G chord, the C chord, the D chord, and it's funny, you just, you know, with the piano background, um, it kind of came to me a little bit, again, I'm I'm definitely not, uh, you know, I'm not, uh, you know, Eric Church or uh, trying to think of any of these other other guitarists that can just strum out whatever I want, but, um, you know, I've, I've got one in, in my houses everywhere I've lived. Um, you know, it's nice sometimes we have got, got time alone to just uh, relax and, and kind of do something away from the rink that, um, that makes you happy. So obviously, when you're all
2: this all said and done, the one man band Brendan Dillon is going to make his uh, tour here eventually.
3: I don't know. I don't know if it's if it's coming through Winnipeg. I don't want to get my name out there too much. Maybe I'll just uh, you know, be Jamie Thomas. I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll slick my yeah. hair back, do yeah. something. But um, yeah, no, it's definitely definitely fun to have some out- stuff going on outside of hockey.
1: Hey Jets fans, I'm Sarah Orleski. Don't forget to join me after each and every home game for the Winnipeg Jets post game show live presented by Budweiser, where you'll get exclusive interviews, in room access, and more. Catch us on all Winnipeg Jets platforms, including Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and WinnipegJets.com. All righty, a big thanks to Brandon Dillon for giving his time to chat with Jamie about pretty much everything under yeah. the sun. Well every, done. Yeah, really, he did. Yeah, really he was good. really good. Um, back from the break, Winnipeg Jets pick up a win over uh, Chicago. They sweep the season series. But an interesting week coming up here, gentlemen. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got the Seattle Kraken on Tuesday as we record this on the Monday. That, is, that game is tomorrow at Canada Life Centre. Uh, Seattle battling for top spot in the Pacific. Then a four-game road trip with stops in Columbus, a team that beat Winnipeg earlier this season, but a team certainly struggling this season uh, outside of the win over the Toronto Maple Leafs on the weekend. Uh, then New Jersey the Rangers, and the Islanders. All three of those kind of New York-based teams, certainly interesting. Which matchup or two in that coming stretch intrigues you guys?
2: I'm going to go with Columbus because I'm curious to see how the Jets come into this one because there's another one of those strange buildings or places that the Jets have a tough time in, at least since I've been covering this team. So Columbus and then New Jersey. Uh, I know they won't have Jack Hughes, but this is a team... That is probably looking with the Rangers making the move to add Vladimir Tarasenko. They're going to be looking to make a move here right away. Um, they're, I mean, they're, they're, the fans were asking to fire Lindy Ruff last year, and that has completely changed uh, with yeah. the way this team is playing right now. Very dynamic team. So first two games of the road trip stand up to me.
0: I'll go New Jersey as well uh, for some of the similar reasons. I find it... <laughs> The fickle nature of hockey is on display in New Jersey. It was fire, Lindy, and then we're sorry, Lindy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And all those chants that were going on all in the same season within a month of each other. Yeah. Uh, but that's a good team, and yeah. the Jets will be tested there. They also, of course, the New York Rangers have made some moves, and, and the Jets won in that game, so that will be feisty. But really what I'm looking for here is the New York Islanders because the jets are going to see them twice within a week it's not quite a home and home there's another game in between Uh, but the islanders are fighting for their playoff lives Mm -hmm. as a wild card potential team and that is what's going on in the eastern conference there seems to be a bit of a different style the jets haven't done very well against the eastern conference they're going to get them twice they're going to get a real good sort of helping of eastern conference teams specifically the the Metro Division, of mm. which they have really inside the Eastern Conference, haven't done very well against. So I'm really looking forward to those two games. Bo Horvat is an Islander, yeah. and let's see what they've got. But the Islanders are fighting for their playoff lives here down the stretch, and Winnipeg will be challenged. I remember they didn't play very well last year for the first time in that new building, um, certainly in Oran, Long Island. So they've got a, a chance to redeem themselves, but there's two important games against the Islanders coming up. I'll watch for those.
1: And if you want tickets to watch the Jets against Seattle or any of the home games coming up to close out the month of February, that being against Colorado on the 24th, the 26th, as Paul mentioned, against the Islanders, and the Los Angeles Kings on the 28th, couple of Pro Bowl nights in there as well. Head to com slash tickets to be able to get your tickets to those games as the regular season heats up in intensity, as the players always say right after the All-Star break, it takes Another step. Gentlemen, thanks very much for taking your time. Let's go be good employees and watch some practice, shall we? (laughs) All right. This has been Ground
0: Control, the official podcast of the Winnipeg Jets. For more Jets news, videos, and more, head to winnipegjets.com.